MissMagazine.com on categorize June 10, 2014 by Simone Liban Levine. The women's movement is a diverse, complex, multifaceted one with many differences of opinion and ways of thinking. Although most mainstream feminists generally agree about issues such as being pro-choice or against genital cutting, there are several controversial issues about which no one general consensus, consensus has formed. This article on feminist debates is half explanatory, half experiment. After giving each side of an issue equal fair time, there will be a poll to ask you, dear readers, what you think. While almost all mainstream feminists agree that the pornography industry is problematic in the way it is currently produced, some feminists are against porn in principle, some are critical of the industry's current state, but not against pornography's existence and other feminist opinions lie on a spectrum in between. What follows is meant to spark discussion about mainstream pornography, illegal and undeniably horrific pornography, such as child porn or rape videos will not be addressed. The anti-porn argument. The pornography industry is a complex machine that turns sex into a commodity that is more about power and profit than pleasure. Read more about the relationship between porn and capitalism here. By turning sex into a product, the industry contributes to the commodification and objectification of bodies, particularly women's bodies. Providing sexual pleasure for consumers is not inherently wrong, but there are problems with the, way, with the ways porn is created, packaged, and sold. The effects of porn stretch beyond whatever actors do or say and have a far broader impact than simple titillation. This is especially true when parents and schools are not properly educating children and young adults about sex, which can lead youth to porn for answers. This trend is indicative of a larger problem regarding sex education. Let's focus on what porn inadvertently teaches its viewers. It's not depicting safe and consensual sex where there are hundreds of revenge porn sites, a genre that involves posting sex tapes made with former partners without those partners' permission, and when no condoms are required during the filming of porn. Although a controversial bill recently passed the state, assembly in California that will require performers to wear condoms. Although it is not porn's responsibility to teach its viewers about sex, it unfortunately contributes to misconceptions about sex. Porn also contributes to already dangerous ideas about the role of women during heterosexual sex. While BDSM and other forms of kink can be practiced safely and consensually in private, Displaying these forms of sex as the norm online can be harmful. Without scenes that depict performers choosing a safe word and discussing what they're comfortable with, 
Porn depicting rough sex shows viewers that potentially degrading acts can be done at any point during sex without proper communication. Even porn without the kink label generally depicts heterosexual sex as a violent act against women. Women are slapped, spit on, choked, and used for male pleasure with little or no effort given to provide their own. Even lesbian porn is generally made with male viewers in mind with women fingering each other while wearing long fake nails that are dangerous for sex. Anti-porn feminist Robert Jensen has written extensively on the topic in his book, Getting Off, Pornography and the End of Masculinity, he says, people routinely assume that pornography is such a difficult and, div and divisive issue because it's about sex. In fact, this culture struggles unsuccessfully, I'm sorry, People routinely assume that pornography is such a difficult and divisive issue because it's about sex. In fact, this culture struggles unsuccessfully with pornography because, of the, because it's about men's cruelty to women and the pleasure men sometimes take in that cruelty. And that is much more difficult for people, men and women to face. Porn also sexualizes young women, calling them teens, or barely legal and frequently dressing them in schoolgirl or cheerleader outfits. While acting out a fantasy can be fun and fulfilling, these repeated tropes can lead to the sexualization and exploitation of underage girls. Countless sites also separate videos by race, which contributes to the fetishization of racial minorities. More on the porn is racist debate here. Intersex and trans, and trans individuals are also fetishized and degraded in so-called tranny in quotations or hermaphrodite in quotations porn that perpetuates stereotypes and uses harmful and stigmatizing language. Pornography is an apparatus of the patriarchy because of the way it is aimed at male consumers. The women who participate in pornography deserve dignity and respect, but are still engaging in acts that perpetuate ideas about male domination over women and place an emphasis on male pleasure over female pleasure, even in non-heterosexual videos. Performing in pornography turns women into sex objects and is simply an example of how deeply ingrained and coercive patriarchal oppression is today. As feminist and law professor Catherine McKinnon says, pornography is a harm of male supremacy made difficult to see because of its pervasiveness, but potency and principally because of its success in making the world a pornographic place. The pro-porn argument. Why should we completely censor the fantasies that allow people to exploit their desires and interests from a safe distance? Why not allow porn to be an opportunity for minority directors and actors to create media that does not stereotype or degrade them? In a previous Miss Blog article, um, pornography scholar Muriel Millian says, surely there's racism in the porn industry. It affects how people of color are represented and treated, but there are counter stories, especially among women of color, or creating and managing their own product. This doesn't get enough. This doesn't get enough attention. While acknowledging that porn, the way it is now, can sometimes perpetuate harmful ideas about sex and further objectify the bodies of women and minorities, many do not believe that this means that porn is inherently wrong. This there is an upswing of female-friendly videos that depict sex as a shared and mutually enjoyable experience rather than purely a male pleasure focus activity as well as instructional pornography videos that show viewers how to safely participate in fun and consensual sex. 
A quick Google search can lead pornography consumers to safe and informative websites, and there are many books written on the topic of feminist porn. At what point do we stop holding the media accountable for how people interpret pornography? Following the same logic about how porn should be banned because of the potentially harmful and misleading information that it presents, shows like SpongeBob SquarePants would have been canceled because of children who are drowned, who are dr who drown looking for their characters. Mary Poppins would have been banned because she encouraged me to, to try flying with an umbrella when I was eight years old. Why then is porn held so accountable for the way people think about and act out sex? Why are the squeamish school systems and parents not held responsible for teaching children and young adults to respect each other's and their own bodies? Why does the responsibility for teaching the nation's youth about sex fall to strangers on the internet? Many anti-pornography feminists believe that porn is an apparatus of the patriarchy that reduces women to sex objects, and is a part of the systematic oppression and degradation of women. But this claim robs the performers of control over their bodies and shames them for participating in an industry that provides them with financial stability and the opportunity to explore their sexuality. As feminist writer Ellen Willis once said, the claim that pornography is violence against women was code for the neo-Victorian idea that men want sex and women endure it. Why do people assume that the women performing in porn are not enjoying it themselves? Claims that the women who perform in porn are being coerced or indoctrinated into the patriarchy simply belittles women and question their right to bodily autonomy. By hating porn and considering it to be a shameful pastime, professional method, profession or method of achieving sexual pleasure, both as performers or consumers, we force performers into the role of being lesser humans and hurt efforts to empower or legally protect performers. The problems within pornography stem from larger patriarchal frameworks. So while the industry may require drastic improvement, pornography cannot be blamed for sexism and violence, particularly when there are institutionalized policies that repeatedly shame and debase the female body. Rather than blame pornography or attempt to censor it, we can think critically about the way it is packaged and sold as a commodity for men, rather than as a universally enjoyable and empowering method of exploring sexuality. In order to reform the pornography industry, we must first work to destigmatize it, starting with accepting it as a legitimate method of employment and sexual enjoyment for women. So where on the feminist spectrum do you fall in terms of pornography? Do you identify as anti-porn, pro-porn, or somewhere in between? Leave your comments and take our survey to choose the opinion with which you must identify. Now, I am a pro-porn feminist. What does that mean for me? I am a pro-ethical porn feminist. I am a pro-feminist porn feminist. How the pandemic could forever change the way porn gets made. Demand for porn may be up, but not everyone is coming out ahead by Mark Hay on August 15, 2020. Mashable.com. The pandemic has started to reshape the porn industry. Welcome to Porn Week, Mashable's annual close up on the business and pleasure of porn. The adult industry as a whole has done surprisingly well during it in many ways thanks to the coronavirus pandemic. 
The stress, isolation, and boredom of lockdown life have prompted huge spikes in overall porn site traffic in recent months, with viewership up by at least 20% as some points this spring over the same time periods last year. Adult site payment processors have reported historic high profits over the same time period, says Alejandro Francis of the industry trade publication Xbiz. And performers like Carmen Valentina tells Mashable that sales of their content have doubled, even tripled on some platforms since the current crisis set in as well. Yet for all these success stories, not every part of the foreign world is thriving right now. The pandemic has radically restructured the industry, says Mike Stable of the Free Speech Coalition, FSC and Industry Advocacy Group, and that upheaval has left certain and that upheaval has left certain categories of content producers and performers struggling to stay afloat. They may even force some out of business for good. Perhaps the most striking trend of the pandemic has been a massive growth of premium adult fan sites like OnlyFans. Shocking number of articles all published in May have, chron have chronicled this rise. That site reportedly netted 3.5 million new subscribers in March, got a shout out in a Beyonce song in April, and claimed that it was receiving two 100,000 new users every day in May. Many of these viewers are likely seeing the twin pillars of authenticity and intimacy, which Fragsis says drives most porn sales in which these sites provide through direct communications with stars by offering trolls of self-shot and seemingly raw content. Hunger for this sort of access and content is especially keen when we all feel anxious and isolated, he adds. A whole new kind of safe sex. These platforms have also been especially important to adult performers during the pandemic, many of whom are getting on them for the first time because the impact the coronavirus has had on traditional porn production studios. In mid-March, the FSC called for a shutdown of all on-set productions in line with wider social measures underway to attempt to blunt the spread of the pandemic. As in any industry, not every studio complied. Some tiny porn production outfits whose members all share the same house also kept on shooting content while complying with pandemic restrictions by drawing on the small pool of people in their socially distanced bubbles, Fraxis adds. But for the most part, the gigs that many performers ride on for a part of their income at, and as functional high-profile promotions for their personal brands, independent content and live appearances at clubs suddenly just vanished. The FSC lifted its moratorium in mid-June and published a set of guidelines for maintaining safety on sets, but still another the FSC lifted its moratorium in mid-June and published a set of guidelines for maintaining safety on sets, but still noted that they didn't think it is safe to start shooting with people beyond one's bubble yet. In mid-June, the organization warned that it had learned of over a dozen individuals who had recently worked on porn sets and later tested positive for the coronavirus. The cause of shutting down production, despite the moratorium's end, Many content producers have offered to stay offline indefinitely thanks to the causes and complexity of implementing coronavirus safety and testing protocols or to their firm beliefs that no mitigation strategies can really reliably keep workers safe yet. Studios are used to closing down, sometimes for weeks on end when industry health monitoring systems detect HIV infections in their performer pools. The last such shutdown occurred in 2018. They stockpile scenes that they can keep churning out even during a shutdown. 
Big cities may have enough content to last to the end of the year. Major production companies also tend to have many rainy day funds of diverse investments and side hustles like their own fan site platforms. Performers also will often turn to side hustles or dip into their savings during those shutdowns, but they usually only offer a couple of weeks at a time and on rare occasions. But this functional shutdown has lasted so long that small to mid-tier studios are starting to run out of content. Performer content creator Jocelyn Jane notes that some are already recycling old scenes, a move that does not often go over well with paid subscribers. Some of these studios were already in a precarious position pre-pandemic or just getting by, maybe had 10, 20% profits, explains free access, and has been difficult for them to acquire pandemic relief funds thanks to structural anti-adult access barriers. No one mishables spoke for to no one mishables spoke to for the story has seen a studio go under thanks to the pandemic yet. But Jane is already predicting that about a third of studios, the member sites or more, will have closed up shop permanently or get absorbed by the biggest industry players. By the time the pandemic fades, J.W. Taze, the producer behind the mid-sized better studio, Desperate Pleasure says that after over a decade in the industry, he's actually teetering on the edge of solvency and that he's seen several producers in my regularly group talking about quitting because of the uncertainty. Inflicting the, inflicting the industry right now. Some industry observers worry that many small to mid-sized studios that do come back will do so with decimated audiences and budgets. The pain may not be temporary. Fraxer stresses the decline of studios and rise in premium fan sites is really an old trend led by the growing consumer demand for authentic and intimate content over heavily produced mediated studio fare. He argues that the pandemic has just accelerated by five or 10 years, albeit in uniquely painful ways. Most porn viewers may not even register the fall of these studios as they often have niche followings or operate entirely behind the scenes, making content for big brands. The gap between studios and independent content creators is also shrinking as performance gain access to better and cheaper recording, editing equipment, own their production skills, and increasingly sell their self-produced content to major studios and distributors who even before the pandemic were eager to tap into their fan bases in the growing market for raw and intimate clips. In many ways, the top independent clip producers will become the studios of tomorrow if these trends continue, Franks argues. But this trend will hurt the crews, the camera people, makeup artists, and production assistants, and so on, who put the quality studio content is known for may also lead to the decline of certain kinds of fetish content that mid-tier studios have historically produced for small but loyal audiences, like sci-fi porn that requires specializing labor-intensive prop building, and special effects work that might not gel with the low overhead of independent performer and producers. Shifting interest in difficult times. Speaking of genres, Alex Hawkins of the prominent porn Tube site X Hammer notes that viewers have not been searching for usually popular content like MILF and incest roleplay porn over the last few months. He suspects this is a response to the fact that many people are spending more time than they like with their families, making these sorts of adult fa fantasies less appealing than they usually are. It's also likely the result of shifting interest driven by other realities of pandemic life. Hawkins notes that searches for public sex scenes are up 87% since the spring, an interesting kit and entrance. An interest in kissing, not usually a key porn search term, is up substantially as well. So are searches for medical, pandemic, and quarantine-themed porn. P 
people obviously got point of flexing riffs on the Zayat chase or that delivers them the things they crave but cannot currently access. Hawk expects that Sean Lacey's viewership numbers have been hit by the pandemic will bounce back once our lives return to some semblance of normalcy. A few key search terms are already beginning to climb, he notes. However, the safety precautions put in place by independent actors and studios that have started shooting may make it functionally impossible to film certain type of, types of sex acts like golden showers or anything that involves a lot of bodily fluids, like group sex or anything that involves a ton of people in close proximity to each other for the foreseeable future. Performers may come out on top. Performer producer Jessica Drake argues that the industry always finds a way of catering the fans' desires, and fans always have a way of finding what they're looking for. But depending on whether or not some pandemic era safety protocols become new norms, and on the content restrictions, newly dominant platforms imposed on creators and distributors, certain types of content could grow rare in a post-pandemic post world. Even the studios and their staff in some Pacific genres suffer prevailing cultural and industry narratives, still maintain that performers are by far the winners in the pandemic, filled up people's face in the industry. As Cat Revenge of the Premium Site Fan Central puts it, sure, lack of studio work restrictions on who they can shoot with and where temporary changes in audience demands may force them to explore new platforms and types of content. The studio work was always scarce, expensive, as performers don't have to pay for their own. STI test hair and makeup wardrobe are more limited as performers usually just get one checkup front and no residuals on future sales of their scenes. It's really empowering during this time for performers to understand where the power lies. The premium sites many are flocking to rarely offer performers guaranteed income, but they may ultimately offer many greater flexibility in when, where, what, and how they shoot content, which usually translates to more opportunities to shoot. They also offer more earning potential as performers can secure rolling subscription payouts and the proceeds from the passive or live carte sales of new and old content that they own the rights to. Most premium sites take a fairly modest cut off the top of their profits. It's really empowering during this time for performers to understand where the power lies within the industry to seize autonomy, says Drake. As performers, they control of their own work and content and get to bypass agents and other gatekeepers and ideally to work and speak more freely. Queer porn producer and performer Jis Lee knows that this is empowering performers to speak out more often against injustices experienced in the industry and finding time to come together to strategize to create systems of mutual aid, resource and skill sharing and more. Drake adds that many are also seem to be using this freedom to make more diverse content and work with more diverse co-stars and these gatekeepers would have let them pursue the studio-centric past. They're also finding new ways to integrate SFW hustles, safe work houses, into their not safer work brands, NSW brands, like Twitch channels and Etsy stores. Myself and many others who are, who are professional studio performers before COVID aren't sure about whether or not we'll return to studio work after this, says performer Kate Kennedy. Not every performer is thriving in the pandemic era. Hustling for fans and producing their own content requires its own skill set, which not all existing performers have. Rather than shake things up, performer Kiki Dier says that she knows a number of performers who, for lack of studio work and uncertain prospects, have gone to retirement 
or semi-retirement recently. Increased viewership also does not always lead to increased profits for platforms or performers, as many site visitors never turn into paying customers. Many performers have also tried to keep new paying eyes on them by slashing the subscription or a la, la carte content services prices to work with tight budgets. Partner sex clips usually sell better on these platforms and so performances says Kennedy. Especially now when people in isolation crave the pictures of the type of intimacy most of them cannot get. So performers quarantine with partners that they can shoot content with now on average have an easier time making money than their fully isolated peers. Perhaps most importantly, the coronavirus has led a ton of out-of-work individuals to try their hands at digital sex work, especially premium fan sites. Only fans alone reportedly registered between 7,000 and 8,000 new credits every day in May, many but not all of whom are taking a crack at making porn. Most amateurs will not succeed in making a living on these platforms because they don't have the exact hustle or skills it takes to hack in hack it in adult work, especially in these environments. But as long as they are around, they will siphon eyes and dollars off from other established sex workers using these platforms at times sparking tensions with them. Big and established performers have large and loyal enough fan base that Kennedy and others believe they'll be able to weather a little market, situ little market saturation and global economic hardship just fine, seeing only slight dips, no charge, or even increases in their profits throughout the pandemic. However, Kennedy believes that new professionals, especially those who have not had the chance to build up their profiles to do their work, will suffer disproportionately. Because no one knows how long this pandemic of economic countries creating will last, it's hard to figure out exactly who, what industry will suffer or suffer the most because of it. If the U.S. government fails to provide further economic stimulus in one of the world's largest adult markets, contracts, or if the coronavirus continues to surge in the fall, the industry's current Trajectories could shift dramatically once again, exacerbating existing and creating new pandemic trends and pain points. None of these pandemic trends are developing in a vacuum either as reckonings around race, consent, and wider power, and wider WIDR power dynamics are also rocking the adult industry now. The only general trend that seems firm and clear is that the pandemic will likely spare or even help the people genres and platforms that were ascendant in the industry. Meanwhile, it will squeeze the smallest, already most precarious people genres and platforms. It will accelerate trends and hurt the vulnerable just as it has throughout the wider economy. Thanks to performers Jaden Cole, Melrose Michaels, and Sarah Vandella, and to producers Freak Mob or Freak Mob Media and Salt Apan with mixed expert comedy for this piece. Too. I, I say that um, I'm noticing entrepreneurship, but not everybody can do that. This is why sex workers' rights are 100% important. And I want to say this on record. I am for the human rights of sex workers. I am for the equal rights of sex workers. I am for the civil and political rights of sex workers. And I am for the economic, social, and cultural rights of sex workers. 
I am for the equality and equity. A feminist overview of pornography ending in a defense thereof by Wendy McAlvon. Pornography benefits women both personally and politically. The census opens my book, Triple X, A Woman's Right to Pornography. And it, can, and it constitutes a more extreme defense of pornography than most feminists are comfortable with. I arrived at this position after years of interviewing hundreds of sex workers. Overview of feminist positions on pornography. Feminist positions on pornography currently break down into three rough categories. The most common one, at least in academia, is that pornography is an expression of male culture through which women are commodified and exploited. The liberal position combines a respect for free speech with the principle of a woman's body, a woman's right to produce a defensive pornography along the lines of, I don't approve of it, but everyone has the right to consume or produce words and images. A true defensive pornography rises from feminists who have been labeled pro-sex and argue that sex has been, I'm sorry, a true defensive pornography rises from feminists who have been labeled pro-sex and who argue that porn has benefits for women. Dialogue occurs between the three positions. Anti-pornography feminists treat women who disagree as either brainwashed dupes of patriarchy or as apologists for pornographers. In the anthology Sexual Liberals and the Attack on Feminism 1990, editor Dorshin Laid-Holt claims that feminists who believe women make their own choices about pornography are spreading a felicitous lie, page 131. In the same work, Sheila Jeffries argues that pro-sex feminists eroticizing dominance and subordination. Wendy Stock accuses free speech feminists of identifying with their oppressors, much like concentration camp prisoners with their jailers, page 150. Andrea Dorkin accuses them of running a sex protection racket, page 136, and maintains that no one who defends pornography can be a feminist. Liberal feminists who are personally uncomfortable with pornography tend to be intimidating into silence. Those who continue to speak out like ACLU president, Nadine Strauss in defending pornography are ignored, for example. Catherine McKenna has previously refused to share a stage with Strauss or any woman who defends porn. Pro-sex feminists, many of whom are current or ex-sex workers, often respond with anger rather than arguments. Peeling back the emotions, what are the substantive questions raised by each feminist perspective? Anti-porn feminism. Paige Mellish of feminists fighting pornography has declared, there's no feminist issue that is rooted in the porn problem. In her book, Only Words, McKinney denies that pornography consists of words and images, both of which will be protected by the feminist. I'm sorry. Matt Cannon denies that pornography. Hold on. Uh, okay, so I am back. Let's finish where we left off. Anti-porn feminism. Paige Mellish of Feminist Fighting Pornography has declared, there's no feminist issue that isn't rooted in the porn problem. 
In her book, Only Words, McKinnon denies that pornography consists of words and images as both which would be protected by the First Amendment. She considers pornography in and of itself to be an act of sexual violence. Why is pornography viewed as both a core issue of modern feminism and an inherent act of violence? The answer lies in radical feminist ideology with which Chris, Christina Huff sometimes Christina Huff Summers calls gender feminism. Gender feminism looks at this and sees uninterrupted oppression of women by men then spans cultural barriers. To them, the only feasible explanation is that men and women are separate and antagonistic classes whose interests necessarily conflict. Male interests are expressed through and maintained by capitalistic structure known as patriarchy. The root of the antagonism is so deep that it lies in male biology itself. For example, the watershed book Against Our Will, Susan Brownmiller traces the inevitability of rape back to Neanderthal times when men began to use their penises as, as weapons. Brownmiller writes, from prehistoric time to the present, I believe rape has played a critical function and is nothing more or less than a conscious process of intimidation by which all men keep all women in a state of fear. Emphasis in general, how she acquired this knowledge of prehistoric sex is not known. Another tenet of gender oppression that sex is a social construct. Radical feminists reject what they call sexual essentialism, the notion that sex is a natural force based on biology, which inclines women toward natural tendencies such as motherhood. Even deeply felt sexual preferences such as heterosexuality are not biological. They spring from ideology. Men construct women's sexuality through the words and images of society, which the French philosopher Foucault called the texts of society. After such construction, men commercialize women's sexuality and market back to her in the form of pornography. In other words, through porn, man defines women sexually, a definition which determines every aspect of a role in society. To end the oppression, patriarchy and its taxes must be destroyed. Liberal feminism. Liberal feminism is a continuation of 1960s feminism, which called for equality with men, who are not adherent oppressors so much as recalcitrant partners to be enlightened. Equality did not mean destroying the current system, but reforming it through such measures as affirmative action. Liberal principle in woman's body and woman's right underlay arguments ranging from abortion rights to lifestyle freedoms like, le like lesbianism. The stress was upon the act of choosing rather than upon the content of any choice. Liberal feminists share the general liberal bias toward free speech, but they are in flux on pornography. Some liberal organizations like Feminists for Free Expression, FFE, have consistently opposed censorship in any form. Some liberal feminists like Sally Tisdale, talk better to me, have staunchly defended sexual freedom. But many liberal feminists commonly reason as follows. 
As a woman, I am appalled by Playboy. But as a writer, I understand the need for free expression. Such arguments are not pro-pornography. They are anti-censorship ones based on several grounds, including great works of art and literature would be banned. The First Amendment would be breached. Political expression would be suppressed. And a creative culture requires freedom of speech. Other liberal feminists who have accepted many of the ideological assumptions of anti-poor position seem willing to sacrifice free speech for the greater good of protecting women. For example, they also condemn the free market for commercializing women's body parts, which demeans women. In a capital idea, an essay defending pornography, which sometimes seems to be an attack, Lisa Steele could comment sexist representation of women is all part of the same system that in the service of profit reduces society to consumer groups. And marketing is every bit as conservative as the military. We pay dearly for the rights of a few to make profits for the rest of us. Such muddled and ambivalent defenses often offend the sex workers they are intended to protect. Pro-sex feminism. Over the past decade, a growing number of feminists labeled pro-sex have defended a woman's choice to participate in and to consume pornography. Some of these women, such as Nina Harlan, are current or ex-sex workers who know firsthand that posing for pornography is an uncoerced choice, which can be enriching. Pro-sex feminists retain a consistent interpretation of the principle of woman's body, woman's right, and insist that every peaceful choice a woman makes in her own body must be accorded full legal protection, if not respect. Pro-sex arguments sometimes seem to overlap with liberal feminist ones. For example, both express concern over who will act as censored because subjective words such as degrading will be interpreted to mean whatever the censor wishes. The state that banned Margaret Sanger because she used the word syphilis and gonorrhea is no different in principle than the one that interprets obscenity today. There'd be no protection even for the classics of feminism such as our bodies, ourselves, which provided a generation women with the first explicit view of their own biology, inevitably. Censorship would be used against the least popular views, against the weakest members of society, including feminists and lesbians. When the Canadian Supreme Court decided in 1992 to protect women by restricting the importation of pornography, one of the first victims was a lesbian slash gay bookstore named Black Day Bookstore, which had been on a police hit list. Among the books seized by Canadian customs were two books by Andrea Dork and pornography. Men possessing women and women hating. Such an event should not have surprised Dork, who declared in Take Back the Night, there is not a feminist alive who could possibly look to the male legal system for real protection from the systematized sadism of men. On the danger of censoring pornography, pro sex and liberal feminists often agree. On the possible benefits of pornography to women, they Part company. Such benefits are explored at the conclusion of this article. Critique of anti-porn feminism. The specific accusations show that pornography include one, pornography degrades women, two, pornography leads directly to violence against women, three, pornography is violence against women in that A, women are physically coerced into pornography, B, women involved in the production of pornography are so psychologically damaged by patriarchy that they are incapable of giving informed or real consent. 
Do these accusations stand up under examination? One, pornography is degrading to women. Degrading is a subjective term. I find commercials in which women become orgasmic over soap such to be tremendously degrading. The bottom line is that every woman has the right to define what is degrading and liberating for herself. The assumed degradation is often linked to the objectification of women, that is, porn conversing to sexual objects. What does this mean? If taken literally, it means nothing because objects don't have sexuality, only beings do. But to say that porn portrays women as sexual beings makes for poor rhetoric. Usually the term sex objects means showing women as body parts, reducing them to physical objects. What is wrong with this? Women are, are as much their bodies as they are their minds or souls. No one gets upset if you present women as brains or spiritual beings. If I concentrate on a woman's sense of humor to the exclusion of her other characteristics, is this degrading? Why is it degrading to focus on her sexuality? Two, pornography leads to violence against women. A cause and effect relationship is drawn between men viewing pornography and men attacking women, especially in the form of rape. But studies and experts disagree as to whether any relationship exists between pornography and violence, between images and behavior. Even the pro-censorship Mies Commission report admitted that the data connecting pornography to violence was unreliable. Other studies, such as the one prepared by feminist Thelma McCormick in 1983 of the Metropolitan Toronto Task Force on Violence Against Women, find no, pad find no pattern to connect porn and sex crimes. Incredibly, the task force suppressed the study and reassigned the project to a pro-censorship male who returned the correct results they put correct in parentheses. His study was published. What of real world feedback in Japan where pornography depicting graphic and brutal violence is widely available. Rape is much lower per capita than the United States where violence in porn is severely restricted. Three, pornography is violence. Women, A, women are coerced into pornography. Not one woman of the dozens of women in porn with whom I spoke report being coerced. Not one knew of a woman who had been. Nevertheless, I do not dismiss reports of violence. Every industry has its abuses, and anyone who uses force or, force or threats to make a woman perform should be charged with kidnapping, assault, and slash or rape. Any pictures or films should be confiscated and burned because no one has the right to benefit from the proceeds of a crime. B. Women who pose for porn are so traumatized by patriarchy they cannot give real consent. B, that was B, right? Although women in pornography appear to be willing, anti-porn feminists know that no psychologically healthy woman would agree to the degradation of pornography. Therefore, it, if agreement seems to be present, it's because the women have fallen in love with their own oppression and must be rescued from themselves. A common emotional theme in the porn actress have introduced their love a common emotional theme in the porn actresses I have interviewed is a love of exhibitionism. Yet, if such a woman declares her enjoyment in flaunting her body, anti-porn feminist claims she is not merely a unique human being who reacts from a different background or personality. She is psychologically damaged and no longer responsible for her actions. In essence, this is a denial of a woman's right to choose anything outside the narrow corridor of choices offered by political slash sexual correctness. The right to choose hinges on the right to make a wrong choice. 
just as freedom of religion entails the right to be an atheist. After all, no one will prevent a woman from doing what they think she should do. A pro-sex defense of pornography. As a pro-sex feminist, I contend pornography benefits women both personally and politically. It benefits them personally in several ways. One, it provides sexual information on at least three levels. A, it gives a parent panoramic view of the world's sexual possibilities. This is true even of basic sexual information such as masturbation, which seems to come less naturally to women than to men. It is not uncommon for women to reach adulthood without knowing how to give themselves pleasure. B, it allows women to safely experience sexual alternatives and satisfy a healthy sexual curiosity. The world is a dangerous place. By contrast, pornography can be a source of solitary enlightenment. Pornography allows women to experiment in the privacy of their own bedrooms on a television set that can be turned off whenever she has had enough. See, it provides a different form of information in textbooks or discussion. It offers the emotional information that comes only from experiencing something either directly or vicariously. It provides us with a sense how it would feel to do something, too. Pornography strips away the emotional confusion that so often surrounds real-world sex. Pornography allows women to enjoy scenes and situations that would be anathema to them in real life. Take, for example, one of the most common fantasies supported by women, the fantasy of being taken and being raped. The first thing to understand is that a rape fantasy does not represent a desire for the real thing. It is a fantasy. Mom is in control of the smallest detail of every act. Why would a healthy woman daydream about being raped? There are dozens of reasons. Perhaps by losing control, she also sheds all sense of responsibility for and guilt over sex. Perhaps it is the exact opposite of the polite, gentle sex she has now. Perhaps it is flattering to imagine a particular man being so overwhelmed by her that he must have her. Perhaps she is curious. Perhaps she has some masochistic feelings that are vented through this fantasy. It is better to bottle them up. Three, pornography breaks cultural and political stereotypes so that each woman can interpret sex for herself. Anti-feminists tell women to be ashamed of their appetites and urges. Pornography tells them to accept and enjoy them. Pornography provides reassurance and eliminates shame. It says to women, you are not alone in your fantasies and deepest, darkest desires. Right there on the screen are others who feel the same urges and are so confident that they flaunt them. Four, pornography can be good therapy. Pornography provides a sexual outlet for those who, for whatever reason, have no sexual partner. Perhaps they're away from home, recently widowed, isolated because of infirmity. Perhaps they simply choose to be alone. Sometimes masturbation, vicarious sex are the only alternative to celibacy. Couples also use pornography to enhance their relationship. Sometimes they do so on their own, watching videos and exploring their reactions together. Sometimes the couples go to a sex therapist who advises them to use pornography as a way of opening up communication on sex. By sharing pornography, the couples are able to experience variety in their sex lives without having to commit adultery. Pornography benefits women politically in many ways, including the following. One, historically, pornography and feminism have been fellow travelers and natural allies. Both have risen and flourished during the same periods of sexual freedom. Both have been attacked by the same political forces, usually conservatives. Laws directed against pornography or obscenity, such as the Comstock Law in the late 1880s, have always been used to hinder women's rights, such as birth control, although it is not possible to draw a cause and effect relationship between the rise of pornography and that of feminism. They both demand the same social conditions, namely sexual freedom. 
Two, pornography is free speech applied to the sexual realm. Freedom of speech is the ally of those who seek change. It is the enemy of those who seek to maintain control. Pornography, along with all other forms of sexual heritage as homosexuality, should have the same legal protection as political heresy. That this protection is especially important to women whose sexuality has been controlled by censorship through the centuries. Oh, real quick, when I say heresy, they're talking about how many of the baby boomer type generation would look at homosexuality as well as pornography. So I want it to be understood that gender and sexual diversity is beautiful. All sexual orientations, all gender identities, and all sex characteristics are beautiful. And I also want to say that ethical porn and feminist porn are beautiful too. So when they say heresy, they're not saying that gender and sexual diversity is bad. They're not saying that pornography is bad. They're saying that's their way of critiquing uh, people's opposition with homosexuality and opposition to pornography. That's all they're saying. Three, viewing pornography may well have a cathartic effect on men who have violent urges towards women. If this is true, restricting pornography removes a protective barrier between women and abuse. Four, legitimizing pornography would protect women sex workers who are stigmatized. Four, legitimizing pornography would protect women sex workers who are stigmatized by our society. Anti-pornography feminists are actually undermining the safety of sex workers when they treat them as indoctrinated women. Dr. Leonore Typher, a professor of psychology, wrote her essay on censorship in women. These women have appealed to feminists for support, not rejection. Sex industry workers, like all women, are striving for economic survival and a decent life. And if feminism means anything, it means sisterhood and solidarity with these women. The law cannot eliminate pornography any more than it has been able to stamp out prostitution. But, but, but making pornography legal will further alienate and endanger women sex workers. The purpose of law. The porn debate is underscored by two fundamentally antagonistic views of the purpose of law in society. The first view to which pro-sex feminists describe is that law should protect choice. A woman's body, a woman's right applies to every piece of activity a woman chooses to engage in. The law should come into play only when a woman initiates force as force initiated against her. The second view to which both conservatives and anti-porn feminists subscribe is, the, is that law should protect virtue. Law should enforce proper behavior, should come into play whenever there has been a breach of public morality or a breach of women's class interests. This is old wine and new battle. This is old wine and new battles. The issue at stake in pornography debate is nothing less than the old age conflict between individual freedom and social control. I'm going to make this simple, plain, and easy. I am a pro-sex feminist. And again, I'm a pro-porn feminist. So this is going to be 
part one of my pro-sex feminism and my pro-porn feminism.